0: Welcome back to Rockstar 101, ladies and gentlemen. His name is Brandon, he is the DJ.
1: His name is Shim, he is the Rockstar. star. Um, this is take two. Class is in session. Ha- Class
0: is in session, bitch. you got to say I know. hold on, I was oh, going to get fuck to that. Oh, All right, sorry. Class isn't
1: officially in session yet because I was going to crack the beer, but I did that in the previous outtake. That's so. right. You're oh, right. Here, here. There you go. Class is now in session, <laughs> now that I go up with my beer. Because as we record these, it's my kind of early, late afternoon, early evening, and Shim is just woken it's, up. It's
0: his happy hour and my wake-up hour.
1: <laughs> so, first things first, how's lockdown going? Is everything doing uh, Everything's fine, uh, doing man. Good I, had for a,
0: you? I had a massive week of um, administration crap with figuring out the live streaming stuff and help getting people who are new members of the Hollywood Rebellion, getting them reeled in and helping out and rewarded and all the good stuff and just building this new thing that I'm figuring out how to do and i'm telling you dude figuring it out from the ground up it's 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 labor intensive on the mind and it's exciting as fuck to figure out a new thing like it's not about it's it's really cool you know i could talk for hours about it but um but yeah so i've been doing that and that's why i apologize for i dropped off the radar for the whole of last week while i was doing it the only thing i had a chance to do was the lockdown session and even that i only did one this week instead of two and we did a rap rock song because everyone online was like, we want to do a fun song. We've done like two soft songs in a row. And I was like, cool. And Pete, a little more tempo. Yeah, a yeah, more exactly. So, so uh, uh, Pete, uh, was like, um, we, oh, th- th- every, there's a conspiracy. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. I'm like, we've talked about it. He's like, the-, the government's against us. I'm like, does everyone else kind of feel like that? <laughs> it was like something's up something's wrong i'm like cool that's what the song's about great so i did this fucking fred full on fred Durst limp biscuit like look it's a tongue <laughs> ah. this isn't a re- this isn't art this is a fucking this is something to go from 60 to 100 down the freeway and be like fuck they we're going to fucking fight back take the power all that sort of shit <clears throat> so it was dope it was dope how about you man well, that, how's your week
1: that's a good that's a good transition into our topics everything's <sighs> It's pretty much wash, rinse, repeat here. Yeah. It's, yeah, this, yeah. This, it's kind of the same thing. You know, I show up to work, I get there at 4 a.m., I leave by 10, I work for a few more hours, uh, do stuff with the kid, do schoolwork, homework, stuff like that. Have you and- nap?
0: A little other, other
1: than uh, uh, sometimes nap, sometimes don't. Just kind of depends on when I'm able to get to bed at night. And um, by the way, sorry. The only quick, thing that really quick,
0: quick sidebar. I think I owe you an apology because I took a siesta the last two days in a row because I'm I'm averaging a wake up at about four thirty every morning the last few weeks, mm-hmm. and I don't get to sleep until what ten o'clock. So even though that's what no, I usually get to bed six around, and a half hours. Six and a half hours. I normally get to bed around like eleven. So I'm doing that. In the last two days, I had a siesta at like, you know, four in the afternoon, three in the afternoon. I was like, this is dope. Little half hour yeah. snooze. See? Fucking, it's dope. I told yeah. you.
1: But see, you were judging before you even knew. No, I knew. And that's just interesting wanted to talk because <laughs> over the past uh, couple of weeks or so, it has been rough for me getting to sleep on time. And I got this Fitbit that actually tracks your oh, yeah. sleep and, and everything else like that. And it's been brutal, man. I've been averaging about. Four to four and a half hours a night of sleep. So that's why I have to take that nap during the day because right. I'm not getting to bed until uh 10, 10.30. And even then I'm not falling asleep right away. And then I'm up at three o'clock for work the next do day. Do you
0: find when you function that way that you go, you wake up, you go through the day, you're doing your thing, go, 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 plan, 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 schedule, schedule, knock this out, knock this out. And then suddenly <laughs> you just hit the wall and you're like, whoa, okay, nap time, gotta fucking lie down for half an hour. I just hit- Did you do you hit the wall or do you like just it's time for a nap because it's scheduled. Like, Because me, it's kinda, just hitting me.
1: It depends. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. If I have to, like if I have things I know I need to do and this is what's on my schedule, yeah, absolutely. But there's other times where there's something that I should get to, but maybe it can wait a little bit or I don't have to get to it right away. Uh, I'll, I'll get home. If I sit down, the energy just gets sucked out of me. Yeah. And then that's at, at that point where I'm like, all right, I got to take a nap. But now you know the glories of taking a nap when you're getting up early yeah. as hell every single day. But I, anyway, so uh, back to your whole Lip Biscuit song, that is kind of a good transition into our album discussion yes, that we're going to bring up. And it's, yes. what's funny is I did have a friend this past week tag me in one of those where it says, um, uh, I have been nominated to you know list 10 albums, nothing said, like, d- all you're going to do is post the album.
0: What the fuck? Are you kidding me? Again? That can't be me. That can't be me. That cannot be me this time, guys. It's got to be. It's definitely him. There's a poor connection. Hold on a second. How do I tackle this? It's not me. Come on. It can't be me. It's been me every other time, though, eh? Oh, this is fucked. Wait. Come on. Come back to me. We're recording again. New record. Okay. Top 10 albums. Ah, Go.
1: (laughs) Delicious. So I had a friend nominate me, and one of the albums that immediately popped into my brain, and I even uh, shot him a text to let him know, hey, I'm going to be doing this on an upcoming episode of Rockstar 101, and there's one album that's very specific to you. I don't think it's going to make that top five, though, and it was Outkast's album, um, I think to this day, I still don't know how to say it, Atlians. Okay. You know which one that one is? No, is that
0: right before the love below or speaker box? Uh,
1: oops, I think it's, I the it. oh, um, it's the one before oh, it. Is that? It's the one. God, bless it! God, God uh, bless I'm it! I'm trying to remember which song. God bless it! <laughs> I'm trying to not curse. Um, I'm why? trying to remember which. This was like a big, why? big album. Um, where's the damn track listing for it? Um, uh, let me see here. Song list. Because I remember, oh, this is the one with two dope boys in a Cadillac elevators. I mean, this was like a big, big. Oh, so this, oh, was had, this, was, this was the one that had
0: steel. This was this is the one that had Slaary Miss Jackson, or was it before no, that? this was
1: this was before that. This was even so this before is like, that. this. Okay. This album came out.
0: This was when they were uh, really, yeah, they were really experimental. No, they were fucking August crazy. August twenty
1: seventh, nineteen ninety six, okay. and this doesn't make the official list, but it was a pretty big deal because. I remember my buddy, he had it with him in one of our classes. And this is one where, at least here in the States, or at least in Portland where I was going to school at, we would have like a social studies class, an English class, and another class, and they were all kind of, the teachers would create the um, lesson plan together. So what you're learning in one class would transfer over to the other class. So you took these classes with the same exact group of kids. And so this is my buddy Juan. Juan and uh, Juan and he had this album and I remember him talking about it and so I went and bought it because he recommended it and it, that's right there where I got completely turned on to ah, outcast Okay, cool. As 16 uh, year old Brandon, the white kid from the suburbs, um, talking about two dope boys in a Cadillac right, and right, right. Uh, the wheels of steel. Right. If you know what I mean. Right, but right. But anyway, so that one doesn't necessarily make it. I've got a list of 15 here and I got to figure out how I'm going to get it down to five. I have one definitive number one album that truly shaped my music landscape for my entire life. Okay. So I'll save that one for last.
0: Okay. Well, here's the thing. See, what I was going to say is if you want to go down the list, the thing is for me, I would probably go up the list. And the reason for this is because my seminal albums usually go in chronological order because they shaped my artistic journey they're like well i started on this album and that was the seminal album that got me into music and then i evolved into this and this and this through listening to records and and i i I don't even need to write them down they're 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 in a little phyla decks at the front of my cortex like this is your music this is your record Mm -hmm. collection like so like i'll probably start at number one and you can work your way down to the other way around so where do you want to
1: Mine, mine, doesn't necessarily go, go chronologically. It's just that there's there's one definitive album that truly kind of shaped it all. Um, but why don't you start with your your very okay. first album? Start with okay.
0: that. My first album is Simple as Fuck, and I have a now. Here's an interesting thing when it comes to uh, like trauma memories, right? You remember when something fucking intense happened as a kid, and then you remember mm-hmm. this detail about it. So what happened yep. to me was. I was starting to get in. I was starting to get into music. I might have been twelve, and um, I had discovered Silverchair. Now, for anyone who knows Silverchair in America, if you remember them, uh, they were Nirvana in pajamas. Fifteen-year-old kids from this little country town in Australia, and they sounded like Pearl Jam and Nirvana mixed together. They were completely they weren't inauthentic but they were like they were they were 14 i mean what do you expect them to sound like so they were they sounded like their influences. oh i got a,
1: i got a really interesting story about silver okay so
0: here's the thing <clears throat> the first album was called frog stomp it was their most successful record i didn't under and this is how how fresh it was i didn't understand the concept that i could pay for music i had my dad's record collection i would listen to the radio and watch the tv and it never occurred to me oh wait i can buy my own cds and have my own records so mm-hmm. it didn't occur to me to have my own one. So what I did was, <coughs> I would go to friends' houses and listen to their records because I didn't have, I didn't, I still didn't even understand the concept of money or having money, and I can use my money to go and buy a record. And we were broke, so I didn't ask my dad like, "Hey, can I go and buy a bunch of records with the money we don't have?" So <coughs> I would go to my friend's house and listen to the Silverchair record. And he, and on this trip was the first time that he he told me like, um. Uh, the first time I ever heard the word Rage Against the Machine, right? Which is a little sidebar for us. He, we were listening to Silverchair and he was like, dude, I just got uh, tickets. And I was like, oh, and I didn't understand the concept of tickets. I'm like, tickets to what? <laughs> tickets to... And he was like How ahead of me. I was like 12, right? Okay. And so, and he was like, i got tickets to Rage Against the Machine. And I was like, and of course, I'm trying to be cool because I'm so not cool. I was never cool, ever, ever cool in high school till I was 22 or whatever. Even still working on it oh but now you're cool. now i'm yeah. boy, you know it now you're and so yeah yeah and so um i and I, I just feigned like oh yeah cool and i remember thinking rage against the machine is like a like a conference or a festival like is it a thing <laughs> where people come to get rage against them it sounded like a like a, like
1: a it, it's like something you do it's not the it, name of exactly
0: a band. which was a it obviously is a great be- type of band name it sounds like a fucking like a rebellion like the sort of thing right and so but I was like, "Yeah, cool. You're going to this whatever." <clears throat> then we go on this in a silver chair, top to bottom, frog stomp. And at that moment, so here's the trauma: I had uh, I had moved from the top of the street down to the bottom of the street and just become the next door neighbor of one of my friends, which is why I was over at his house. What I didn't mm-hmm. realize is I we were in the process of moving so i've gone down and done a trip with my dad and my dad and i basically moved our house by ourselves walking everything from the top of the street down to the bottom of the street in boxes carrying the wardrobe carrying the bed moving it down by hand and so we'd done a trip he'd left me there to finish doing stuff and i was like cool i'm done i'm gonna go to my next door neighbor's house because i've got a next door neighbor who's a friend and i don't have many friends and he's got the silver chair record i want to hear the silver chair record and i went and I'm in there for three hours talking music, listening stuff. And then the next thing I see is, my. and it was in the, uh, they had like a little back shack, like a little hangout room. They, they were much more well off than I was. So I'm in there and I see my dad walking up the backyard and he's livid, like fire in his fucking eyes. And the moment I see him, I'm like, I know exactly what, why he's upset. I have the keys to the house and he didn't know where I was oh yeah so he was locked outside so he was locked outside for three hours wondering number one worried about his kid number two where the fuck is he gone like he he probably assumed i went to get a sandwich or a snack and he's like all right he'll be back in 10 minutes i'll just have to wait and then give him shit and be like don't fucking leave until i get back and then three hours go by and he's looking for me and he's like you came over here to listen to fucking records when we're in the middle of the?" and he was he he was i remember he was so angry that he didn't speak because he knew he was going to explode and there was no mum mm-hmm. or, or uncle in the situation to bring him down and counter him. I could see, I, I, he saw me snap in line. And so at that moment, what did I do? I was like, I, I, I have to go. I have to go, but I haven't finished the album, right? Like, I want to listen to Silverchair again. We're onto a different record now. So I stole it. I stole the record off my friend. Yep, stole it. I put it under my shirt, fucking stole it. You couldn't it. just ask to borrow no, it? No, no. No, because I was 12 and I was scared and I was like, no, I, I stole it. I stole it. I stole it. So, <laughs> fear leads so, to fever. Right? Yes. So, I took yeah, the record. to hate. hate. So, I took the record. It so, that was my suffer. first. And that's ironic, isn't it? Isn't that the karmic retribution that, like, oh, I stole my first record and now everyone steals everyone's records all the time? There's no mm-hmm. value in music whatsoever anymore on a monetary level. So, I took it. And that was my first record-buying, record-owning experience, right? That I was like, but, but keep in mind, that's how much I valued the music. That I was like, I knew my friend wasn't going to give me the record. We weren't that close. We weren't like friends. It was like, I, I was just his neighbor. We knew we were acquaintances. So I stole the record because I was like, I, I'm going to go. And, and also keep in mind, you think about the mental process. My dad's not going to let me come over here for a while. I'm in fucking trouble. I'm probably grounded. I need to keep listening to this music. I can't go another couple of weeks without hearing this record. Like I need, I'm going to be stuck at high. I'm, I'm fucked. So I stole the record. it was like, this is going to get me through. And like, and it did.
1: Did you not think that the other kid was going to recognize, Hey, he left hastily. Where's my other. doesn't album? matter.
0: That kid's not welcome in my house for the next two weeks. I'm grounded. I'll deal with it later. Fucking, I'm not going to see anyone. Did any, you get busted? I, no, I gave it back to him after three weeks. I was uh, like, hey, hey, I borrowed your record. And he was like, yeah, <laughs> it, it, wasn't, it wasn't a thing. I went. I gave it back to him and then I went and bought it again like the next week. And that was when I started to, uh, that was the, the best thing was that was when I started to understand the concept of the value of money because it could buy me music. So I was like, well, I want to get my own copy of this record and a few other records. And I got my, and that was when I, that was one of the things that I first started bonding on with my dad was. Uh, we would go to the city, and what, we would go to the city to do things, and then we mm-hmm. would make a trip to the record store. Once he realized I was interested in music, because that's what he used to do, so he knew where the dope secondhand record stores were, and we'd go there for an hour every weekend, and and I'd find my records. and I remember the oh that that that's going to lead into the other three to five records on my fucking list, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's and and Frog Stump was <clears throat> absolutely it's 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 a very Uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's an elementary record, ironically, because they were in school, but it's a very fundamentally elementary record. It's basic. It's very simple, Mm. but it's got that Nirvana thing where it's just like they didn't have anything else at their disposal and they didn't really know how to... He he just ripped off what he was... He absorbed what he was hearing, filtered it into his voice, which was still sounding like Eddie Vedder and Kurt Cobain and stuff. (laughs) And that was was the record. And that was my... And the, uh, the reason that it switched me over was because it was silver chair was like a transition it was like here's music that you can relate to because they're your age and you like the sound and then then when i would watch them on the music shows and the countdowns or whatever they play other music like that and i'd go well that sounds just like it but that's kind of better or cooler and then i found the red hot chili peppers and green day and all this other stuff and i was like oh then it was mind blown because it it was like a stepping stone from it's not out of reach. These guys live up the street from me and they're my age and they're, they're on the TV with the big boys. So Mm -hmm. maybe I can do this. And it was fucking great.
1: Well, the quick story that I have about silver chair is that the first radio station I, uh, worked at, technically interned for, we were hanging out at one of our shows and somebody was kind of, they were reminiscing about the prior concerts and it was the, uh, The one show that they put on every year was called The Big Stink, and it was the big summer concert that they put on every year, and somebody was telling a story about Silverchair and how they had them in, I think, the late 90s and the guys in silver chair were pissed because they weren't allowed to drink because they weren't 21. Oh yeah, 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 that'll do it. Yeah. And it just and it became this huge thing where they were just pissed because they they were asking some of the people from the radio station to go get them beer or get them something to drink and the radio station wouldn't do it yeah. cuz that would be their ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now somebody else goes and does it. Okay, cool, great, whatever. But the radio station wouldn't do it. And man, they got bent out of shape and they were pissed about that.
0: Well, you got to understand, number one, they're rock stars. So they're going to get upset about that. Number two, in Australia, the drinking age is 18. Now, keep in Mm -hmm. mind, if you're talking about the late 90s, that was when they turned 18. Right. So from 94 to 98, 99, they were 14 to 18. So they went their whole touring life, not being allowed to drink, probably doing it anyway, not really Mm -hmm. being allowed to drink and party and they're, they're on tour with the Red Hot Chili Peppers and all these other big fucking bands, and those guys are tearing the shit up. As I
1: said, if you're on, on tour with Red Hot Chili Peppers, it's probably drugs around, yeah, at least yeah. depending on what year you are going.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, and, and you don't get to partake, and you're like, well, when I turn 18, I'm going to fucking do what I want to do. I'm going to go balls to the wall. Yeah, and then they turn 18, they fucking tear it up in Australia. They come to the States, and they're like, oh, no, no, like, you're... But they're. It, I totally would I would totally agree. I've, I've had times when, like... No, I'm not going to get into that. Anyway,
1: (laughs) put a pin in that. Think about that for later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. let's move down the list here. So for my number five, again, my honorable mention was Outcasts, ATLians, uh, because that was the guy, my, my buddy Juan, who is the one who nominated me for this on Facebook. That was the first album that popped into my head since he said that. But the more as I thought about this, man, I have a horrible memory in the sense that I don't remember things until I legitimately think about them. And the more I thought about this list. The more I came up with, like this is the full list, like Jesus. I like that I wrote down. Right. And there, but there's a bunch of stuff on here that doesn't make a top five. It was stuff that came on later on, a lot of new metal stuff, uh, Tool, Corn, Limp Biscuit. Uh, there's even like a Wu Tang album in there. And uh, coincidentally enough, quick side note: the wife and I were talking yesterday, and she was commenting about how she likes System of a Down. Oh, that is one of the strangest bands for her to like because she doesn't necessarily like her rock music is 21 Pilots. Like that's her. Yeah, that's a late jam. Or 20, yeah, yeah. 20 pilots, 21,
0: 21 pilots, pilots. Yeah.
1: Whatever the hell it is. Like that's her rock music. Yeah. Um. So the fact that I was sitting there playing some System of a Down, she's like, oh, Isaac, I know this song. And it was pretty much the entire Toxicity album. Uh, but of course, that one doesn't make the list. Number five for me on this list. Is White Zombies Astro Creep 2000. This album was when More Human Than Human came out. I went and bought the album. I remember it was one of the first times I was allowed to buy an album that had the parental advisory sticker on it. Because before that, there was other albums, and that just that totally right there reminded me of another album that could have easily made this list, which right. would have been Green Jello's album, one with the Three Little Pigs. Um, I don't know that one. Oh. You'll, you'll remember it. It okay. was a great video.
0: Okay.
1: Um, but then, because I remember when I went to go buy that album, it had a parental advisory sticker on it. And my parents were like, uh uh-uh, uh, nope. Because I think I was maybe 12 or 13. I was in middle school mm. at the time. And they were like, no. But Astro Creep 2000 came out, I think, when I was 15 or 16 years old. Yeah. So I was allowed to buy it, um, even with the parental advisory sticker on it. And I listened to that album nonstop. Right. And I mean, and, and that's the thing with all of the albums that are on this list. These are albums that at some point in my life, I listen to Non-stop. on repeat yeah, over yeah. and over and over. Yeah. And I have a story about White Zombie. And it was, I would always carry my CD player around with me. I'm the same way now. I have um, my Bluetooth earbuds. I have those in all the time when I'm around the house. It irritates the hell out of my wife. Because I'm always listening to something. Right. And she'll need something. And she'll be like, <laughs> so like Brandon. And I'm like, what? Like twenty minutes later, right. because I got the headphones in. Yeah, yeah. So I was in. I was playing baseball. I think this was my freshman year of high school, and I was a little bit known for getting kicked out of games because <laughs> I had a bit of a temper. And in this baseball game, I had gotten kicked out, and I just and you know tempers. You know, I was fuming mad. No, the parents are yelling at me to calm the hell down. And I just remember my dad being like, "Just go sit in the jeep. Just go sit, and just get the hell away." Right. So I did. And I remember I went in, and it was pretty early, I think. It was only like the third or fourth inning. And I just remember sitting in the car, listening to my CD player, listening to White Zombie, just fuming mad awesome. in that moment That's of, my awesome. God, you know, screw this umpire. How dare they do that? Like, do, like do typical team crap, but like yeah, yeah. Amplified to 11 because I was a sociopath, apparently. <laughs> and... And I just remember listening to that album nonstop over and over and over again. So that's number five on my list. What's number two? No, but isn't
0: it interesting that that's like you're like you you just you're it kind of gets burned into your brain and the musical memory of it because you were going Mm. through that intense emotional experience like. Like, you were at that point, for, for you must have been fucking jacked up for your own dad to say, like, mm-hmm. go to the car and cool down. You're going to break something. And then you go and listen to White <laughs> oh, Zombie. Oh, no,
1: I did. I, I, kicked, I kicked and dented a garbage can.
0: Oh, <laughs> shit. Well, that'll do it. <laughs> and then, as a result, that White Zombie album is now imprinted to that emotion. With that memory. With that, with with that, that, memory. that emotion. Yep. But that memory, but that emotion. That that thing is like, so now, anytime you want to recall that emotion, you can put on White Zombie, and it'll help get you there. If you wanted to but consciously see, be like...
1: the thing for me, though, is that I... It's, it almost does the opposite now at this really? point because I know how out of control I was and I know how much that emotion doesn't benefit anything and I know how bad and negative that emotion can be for you. Yes, you need to go through all your emotions. They're all natural. You need to be able to deal with them. I had a tough time dealing with them at that time. Right. So now for me, when I do listen to something like, uh, like a white zombie, um, I can almost use that uh, as a counter to that emotion where it's able to bring me down a little bit as opposed to bringing me back. I mean, I can still get there if need, like I can feel it. Right. But for some reason it, for now it's like, okay, like I was there, I've moved on since then. You know what I mean? But do you, is
0: that because you've done your processing of how to not be an angry guy so much anymore? Like if you, if At you, least were, I, tr-
1: I mean, I try to, yeah.
0: Right. But let's say for example, like wh- how old were you when this happened?
1: Um, I think I was fifteen.
0: So if you're fifteen, if you had listened to that record again when you were sixteen, would it have taken you back to that place? Or would you have calmed down as well? Did you get there pretty quickly? I, I'm no, thinking, I know now I think it calmed yeah, me down but like, Before,
1: I, like right like within one to two years, maybe even five years, no, it's not going you, to you
0: could listen to that record and it would like trigger it again. It right? would
1: re- it would remind me of how pissed off yeah, I was. Yeah,
0: yeah. And that's the thing that I really have been getting into more and more. I've been like I didn't realize it until and I'm doing a sidebar, but that's what we do. As I've been doing a lockdown sessions and I've been collaborating online with um with people, people who I don't know, who I'm getting to know through the, the stuff. I'm I'm finding myself as I'm as I'm taking their ideas and picking and choosing which ones to put in the song and how, I'm getting into the science of why I'm choosing those lyrics, because you can't just say, well, I'm choosing this one instead of that one. Fuck you, John X, your lyric sucks. You have to say, well, this one works because of this. This is why I'm choosing it, so that they don't get pissed off. And then also as a result, you know, they learn something maybe, but like, and so I'm, I'm like, I'm going through, well, why does this lyric work here? Why am I doing things this way? And then it's starting to get me into the emotional science of music and why we make choices as a musician or an artist or a songwriter. Because it and then the emotional that connection that weird thing and I just started diving headfirst into it. I was like fuck I forgot how deep you can go with how music hits you on that emotional level I think that this like um, album countdown idea it's 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 starts off as a fun thing to do then it turns into it's a great form of nostalgia but ultimately it can become a teaching tool number one to be like here is this record that means so much to me you haven't heard of it here it is go check it out here's the link. But then you mm-hmm. talk about well why is it so important and you start to go down the rabbit hole of DK. I mean I'm going on a fucking tangent but it, this is what this is You're my jam this hole, is my jam yeah. this is what I live for I'm like like when and, and and starting to realize that music has that ability to create an emotional imprint it's like if you like everyone knows especially as a parent you think about it and music being a great teacher and all that sort of stuff if you have a tr- everyone remembers the traumatic experiences of their childhood Like, because you just, you just can recall them. There's a, there's a genetic thing inside you that goes, you need to remember this probably on a fundamental level. It's like, so that you can avoid it next time. So you can protect yourself or whatever. But if you, if you use music as that trigger, there's a great power in that to be able to like you ever, I remember the first time I heard Welcome to the Jungle. I remember the first time I saw the video, I was like, what? And and it was fucking 10, 15 years after the song had come out. Like it was, and and I was like, I've just discovered this, but there's music has that ability to do that thing. Same with the, the, the pivotal songs of my, uh, evolution. And that's the stuff that I'm like, when you say like, I'm sure that every album I'm sure. Oh, that's great. That's great. Is that coming through on your end? Is that you hearing that? When did that look at this? How did that happen? Because I, I started on this rant. Hold on a second. Hold on. Wait, check it out! Check it out! I think
1: it's—I think it's God telling you to shut the bleep up. <laughs> no, I think it's plugged in all the way.
0: It is. It is God telling there me you to go. stop. There you go. There you go. I'm imparting too much information, and God's like, "Stop! They can't handle it. They don't understand. You got to walk them through <laughs> it." All right, so then
1: go number number two on your list. What's the uh the, in the, in your chronological order? What's number two?
0: <sighs> it's it kind of gets jammed up on. This is God. This is God in fact in in, in, in introducing himself in the situation. Why are you fucking with me? Why is everything fucking with me today? We, we we'll, we'll I'll have to cut this part out as well cuz this isn't going
1: You don't have to cut it out. I can sit in the hum like <laughs> Dude. dude. <laughs> Dude, what is going on?
0: Wow, okay.
1: It sounds like you're plugging in a base. No, or I
0: something. know, I know.
1: It's. What'd you do? What happened? I'm cool with it, man. Dude, I got it. You a saw beer. me.
0: Good. You saw me. I didn't touch it. It just decided it doesn't want to play ball.
1: It, yeah. doesn't, it doesn't want to. He had it fixed, and then all of a sudden it just decides, like, hey, no, we're not going to work
0: anymore. I can't need a new microphone. Dude. <laughs> Just work. Okay. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Well, it's bet At least it's technically working. That's going to drive. All right, go me. quick. Number two. La- two. What is it? Hold on a second. got
1: to think. You already forgot, didn't
0: you? No, no, no. The problem is I've got three. I've got three that get jammed in the doorway like which the three one you stooges. Want to too, yeah, no, no. I'm, I'm thinking. You know? um, it'd be Dookie. It'd be Dookie.
1: Dookie. Yeah, it would be album. Dookie.
0: Yeah. And the reason is because like I was telling you in the chronological order of that story, I went to the record store to buy Silverchair and here's the reason this this was the pivotal moment for me, right? There was um first time I recognized Silverchair, I was watching the MTV Video Music Awards in 1995. Uh, Silverchair played, and that was the first time I saw them because I'd heard of their stuff mm. and I'd been getting into the record. But you've never it, seen them live, No, or and I, it was them. Then there was Live that did I Alone. Then there was Red Hot Chili Peppers that did Warped. And then there was Green Day who did the first single off Insomniac. So I went backwards and I was like, so I went and I bought all four records. Now, those four records, that's why I'm, I'm kind of jumping ahead, but I'm like, it, it all happened at once i mm-hmm. went to the record store and i bought all four of those records at the same time and that was my so
1: that, does that so then that completes your time pretty much kind of? it's, pretty it's, much it's silver chair and then what were the four green day silver dookie. chair
0: green day dookie i'm going in a list of import i go through i bought them all at the same time but in terms of the list of importance and relevance it was silver chairs mm-hmm. frog stomp, green day dookie uh after that it would probably be live because it was mm-hmm. really songwritery and then red hot chili peppers uh, one hot minute because of the funk right so if Mm -hmm. you put all four of those albums together you'll get the first couple of sick puppies records if you Mm -hmm. really listen to them and you listen to the 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 level of funk the level of songwriting the level of lyrical like you go into silver chair had the grunge green day had the punk aspect that was just Mm yeah uh live had the songwriting craftsmanship and the lyrical like their lyrics and message was much more involved and spiritually in a way than the other bands and then red mm-hmm. or chili peppers had the drive to be like all right it's not just going to be punk da 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 da, da. it's going to have this flow and this backbeat and this funky thing so you put all three well you motherfucker you put all four of those together and that's what you get you get the first two puppies records
1: so then you bet so you have then so that's going to be your four that's my then, four. Like four of your top five. Yeah, is, is, is those one okay? So I'll, I'll crank through mine then here because mine yeah. don't have necessarily a ton of stories. But number four on my list was Paul Simon's Graceland. Okay, and this is this is the epitome of me growing up. The that Paul Simon's Graceland. My parents owned it on cassette. They eventually got it on CD, and it's one of those albums that we would listen to front to back. And I just remember it playing in the car as we were driving to a camping trip. You're in the car for an hour and a half to two hours or wherever it is you're going. And that was just constant. You know, Graceland, Diamonds on the Soles of Her Shoes, You Can Call Me Al, all of this stuff, that whole album, man, I can still to this day listen to it and absolutely love it. And my wife didn't know who that was. Um, like, I don't think she really knew. Th- I No, she knows who Paul Simon is. Like, Let me backtrack on that statement. Um But I don't think she really knew just how great that whole album was. Tried playing it for her on a road trip. I don't think she quite grasped it, though. Uh, The next album, uh, number three, is Aerosmith's Big Ones. This was one of their greatest hits compilations. So you're getting a lot of the greatest hits stuff. But you know how a band will have a record contract that says you got to release x amount of records and an easy way to knock out one of those records is you release a greatest hits album well sometimes it's said that you have to actually put a new song on this album and i think they put a couple on big ones i know that deuces i think it was called deuces are wild or deuces wild um is one of those songs and this one it's one of those albums and these songs of course now it's starting to oh god what's happening here can you hear that?
0: Yeah, that's that's Queen though, right?
1: That was Queen. I don't know how I got to Queen on that. Oh, because I accidentally clicked uh, clicked where Queen was. Um, but for Aerosmith's big ones, do you have songs for yourself that no matter what you're going through, no matter how you're feeling, like, and this is what we're talking about, where if you go back and you listen to uh, like if I were to listen to white zombies, Astro Creep 2000, is it can it take me back to that emotion I had on that day that I got kicked out of the baseball game? Mm-hmm. I mean, it could, but I have spent my entire adult life trying to deal with like depression and anxiety and all of these other emotions that kicked in in like late teens, early 20s and have never fully gone away which is why music has been such a big thing for me because music has been an escape from that. That's why we've talked about it on this podcast. Chris Cornell always had one of those voices that was it was, it was the moment he would start singing yeah. on a song, yeah. it was like washing you <laughs> and just completely drenching you with calm. Yeah. And that's something that his voice was always able to do for me, which was unfortunate because it clearly didn't work for him. Mm-hmm. But the album Big Ones, which I'm not sure, here we go, came out in 1994, and I think it had two new songs on it, if I remember correctly. And it was... Um, Deuces Are Wild and Blind Man. I don't know if those were on other albums or not, but I, I remember those two specifically right. on that album. And it doesn't matter... like As much time as I have spent trying to deal with these things of, of depression and anxiety... There's always a quick go to sometimes with these things where if I put those in and I start listening to that song, the the very beginning of either one, there's a this the very beginning of Deuces Are Wild. It immediately takes me back to then because there were certain aspects of me from age twelve to sixteen that I miss, that I liked, Mm. that was more carefree than I am now. I wasn't as strict as I am now. I wasn't as much of a hard ass on myself as I was now. I was more fun-loving. I was more um, able to enjoy things, and and it takes me back to that. It's not permanent, it doesn't stick around, Mm. but for that brief moment, and while I'm listening to that song, it does that for me, and that's what the other two on my album do where number two was House of Pain's self-titled album. The one that has Jump Around and stuff like that. That's another one. I could probably recite the entire album front to back because that thing was just on a loop. And I remember I bought that album at a used CD store. Mm. So when I got it, I was like, oh man, if this thing skips, I'm gonna be so pissed. Because that would, you know, if you're buying it from a used CD shop, that would happen every now and then. Thankfully, that didn't happen. But it's the same thing. And then my number one album, for me of all time, the one that I listened to, this was an album on, do you have uh, big school trips down there where you leave for like a week when you were in like middle school or anything like no, that? No,
0: we used to do weekends. The most we would do is we'd do like two two days, like a three-day weekend. You'd go for a camp or a ski thing or whatever. I did like two of them the whole time I was growing up, yeah.
1: Okay, because one of the big things here in the States is, and it's a, it's a, I believe it's across the globe or across the United States, is you do an eighth grade trip to Washington, D.C. Right. And the whole point is to Heard go to D.C. That, yeah. You learn everything. You go to all the stops and you go to all the sites. So it's, you know, 13, 14-year-old Brandon. Um, I think it was probably 14 at the time. And um, I had it, I had an absolute blast. And it was, it was me feeling like I was becoming an adult, but I never quite reached that adult that I wanted to be, if that makes sense. Right. Like, there's, there's a lot of other issues there that we don't need to get into. But in that moment, I listened to Pink Floyd's The Wall hmm. nonstop. Yeah, yeah. I remember sitting on the bus, and my parents had given me some money to spend. And they let us, and this was what was weird they just unleashed us when we were in eighth grade. Yeah, you would have chaperones here and there, but like they would drop us off in a mall, and the chaperones would be like, "Well, just be back here at this time, and yeah. we're good." Yeah, yeah. So it's eighth, eighth you know, eighth grade kids just yeah. kind of running around doing whatever they want. And I remember I went and bought a new Walkman, not Discman, Walkman right. for cassette tapes. Yeah, yeah. Because I had the cassette of Pink Floyd's The Wall, and when yeah. we got back on the bus, one of the teachers was kind of going, "Hey, what'd you guys buy? What'd you get? What'd you get? What'd you get?" And I was like, "I got a new Walkman." Because the one that I had sucked, and right. it just it sounded awful. The headphones sounded terrible, and I want I wanted something more pristine. I wanted yeah. something better. Yeah. So I bought the new Walkman, and I remember her going, "Ugh!" Oh. She goes, "You fly all the way to Washington D.C. and you buy something you could have gotten all the way back in Portland." And I was like, "I want to listen to Big Voice The Wall." <laughs> yeah, like thanks I, for I, shutting mean, it I didn't down. say that, but it's in the yeah, it's in the back of my brain that yeah. whole time, and I listened to that thing. Because, I mean, you were on some pretty lengthy bus rides when you were tra- oh, yeah. traveling around the D.C., Virginia area yeah. to see things. And I remember I would just sit there, I would turn it on and just and coast. And it was one of the most calming times in my entire life. And, that, and listening to Pink Floyd's The Wall takes me back to that, which is why it's such a major influence and it's such a major part of my life.
0: Yeah, I think there's two parts to that whole thing of what you just said is when you're younger you're naturally you're just wired differently you're more open to everything so you're more open to hearing the different elements giving music more time and then also you have more time in your life to actually devote to it you can actually sit on a bus you have you have hours each day that are designed in your life to find your jam your thing thing you want to do and so music becomes you're so much more open to music in general and why these albums are seminal and now i don't know i mean i blame the fact that it's like oh People don't make music as good as the fucking blah, 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 all that shit, you know. Mm -hmm. But also, it's like, even if they did, when you hear one song, you don't really have the time to delve for a day into the history of the artist and listen to everything they've ever done like you used to. So, that's why that brings that shit up. What's your next one?
1: Oh, those were the five. Okay. We had, it was White Zombie, it was White Zombie, Pulse.
0: Hold on. I think my kid's at the door. I think I heard my kid. Hold
1: on one sec. Let me check, let me check, let me check. This is where it's Shem a... gets quiet to act like he's not a dad. And this is where I can narrate he's getting up. He just got up from his chair, he's going over. Oh, I hear something, but I can't make it up. This is where Shim acts like he's a great father. I'm pretty sure he is. I haven't actually seen him around his kids. He's only over here in the States by himself.
0: Are you talking? I hope you're
1: talking while I was gone, so I don't have to cut it again. Now, I don't know what you're talking about. I just, I was silent the oh, whole time. Oh, you
0: fucker. All right, I'll find out <laughs> later.
1: No, I was talking. I was but, uh, talking about how much you think you're a good dad, but you're really not.
0: Oh, nice. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for putting that out there. No, <laughs> no I, 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 I'm, I'm not sure as to whether or not, because I know you've been bringing your wife on, but have you, have you done a podcast with your kid yet?
1: Haven't done one with the kid. Um, and, and it's usually because she's busy. I don't know if we will. I still haven't quite confirmed if the wife is cool with it or not yet, putting yeah. the kid on. But yeah, the, I do a thing called the After Buzz. And no, I know. This, I've seen I mean, it. And it's and I do it um, at noon mountain time every Wednesday. And since we've been on lockdown and since I kind of got the setup up here at the house, yeah. the wife and I do it, do it together. Right. And um, man, we were having such a good time. We were talking about the last dance this last time in the weird Michael Jordan fan club that I came up with with a buddy of mine back in the day. <laughs> but um, for, like the Internet, something was something was going wonky. So I, I need to upgrade something or figure something out because the last episode it just kept crapping out over mm. here so
0: anyway um but yeah i'm trying to figure out whether or not or how much i should incorporate my kids just because they don't really need to be incorporated but i just like the yeah. idea of doing it I, my, my girl came in the uh, like a week or two ago and when i told her like yeah there's people watching at the moment that i just said there's people watching she was like through the because she understands the concept of taking a video on the phone and she's like through the phone they're like People can watch you and I'm like, oh shit, she's freaking out. Okay, I was like, no, no, baby, I'm just making my own little video. And I had and she came mm-hmm. and once once that was I calmed her down and then she came and sat down. She wanted to watch a video and we talked for a second, but I was like, all right, and literally like I didn't tell anyone else's, but I was like, yep, this is going nowhere. Okay, go back to mom. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I thought I was gonna be able to turn it into something where she'd start talking about something in oh, a see, unique way. It's like, no, she just wants I'm to watch t- the my, kid video.
1: I'm telling you, my kid's the opposite, man. If I were to bring her on, she' would be in love with it because that's what she does. Like She'll be out in our yard playing, and she doesn't have her own phone yet, and she's not going to get one for a while. Um, But she had this little like makeup kit that was designed to look like a cell phone. So she talks on it like it's a cell phone, or she acts like she's taking pictures. And one of the things that she would do is she's out on her swing set, she's holding it up like this. She's like, so I'm out here on the swing set. Hope you guys are all having fun. Oh Go god. ahead and give me a like if you want it. Like,
0: is she posting on Facebook or something?
1: Well, no, it's a it's a makeup kit. It's not a real phone. Oh my god. She's in her own in her own imagination. She is a gigantic YouTube uh, YouTube star, and it's hilarious. You are, you
0: are fucked. You are so yes, fucked. All you're just, doing? Which is why just,
1: she's not getting a phone for us.
0: You're there just holding the reins on this wild horse that's gonna. Fucking run wild and free as soon as you let it go, Jesus. See, I worry. I don't know if I worry about that stuff, but I'm aware of that stuff. And that's why I know, like, I really make a conscious effort to to, to take little mental snapshots and be aware of how young and innocent my kids are now. Because I know that the moment they flick over to whatever the mm-hmm. next level of consciousness there's no going there's back, no going back. I, don't go I, I can't it. say that anymore um and
1: that was the and remember that was the thing we talked about in the last episode we were talking about my wife thinking our eight-year-old child was ready for cloverfield <laughs> she was not ready for no. cloverfield i'm yeah. like let's pump the brakes like i know you want to watch the movie but yeah. let's let's wait until she's in yeah. bed and that yeah
0: that thing of like um Right now, they give you—they give you all the good stuff. They give you all the good. They give you the cuddles. They give you the great conversations. They give you hell as well. But all the good stuff—the stuff that the moment it's gone, you're gonna—you're gonna wind up hearing that shit come out of your voice. No, you're gonna want it back. But you're gonna get to that moment—that moment when you're gonna say something that you—and it's gonna come out of your mouth. You're gonna hear it and go, "Oh my god, I'm that guy." And it's gonna be something like, "Come on, we used to be friends," and and you're gonna go, "Oh my god, I'm here. I'm in this part of the movie." Yeah. Don't you like that anymore? When did you stop liking that? And you're going to all that shit's going to come out of your mouth. And that's why I pre I kind of preset for that disappointment. And try to recode my brain to be like, well, that's just a part of the development stage, even though it's going to break my fucking heart. I kind of like, mm-hmm. I kind of talk about it a few, every, I, I remind my wife, I'm like, you know, how long do you think it's going to be until they don't want to do that anymore? And then she goes, oh, you're right. And then she fucking changes her whole mindset. <laughs> like, you can eat all the chocolate you want, honey. And like, you just fucking, because otherwise this shit will kill you. This fucking, yeah. this, this ride will destroy you.
1: And that's and that's one of the things that I I have mentally prepared myself for Mm. is I, you know, I stepped in to the relationship when my kid was five. Yeah. So my wife already had five years basically alone with her. It's going to be drastically different for her. So for myself, mentally, I've already prepared I got to be the stronger one and I got to be the one that's able to sit and listen to both of them. Oh. I got to be able to sit and listen to my wife talk about, I miss this. She used to do this. She's growing up too fast. I don't know yeah, yeah. this. And then on the flip side, I also got to be the guy that's going to be able to listen to my kid. Who's going to say, oh, my, you, you guys need to leave me alone. You need to give me some distance. I need, um, uh, some, you know, time to myself, like, like, Oh my God! You guys, are embarrassing. Yeah, All yeah. Of those it's
0: things. kind of a hard thing on now that I'm now that you're saying it to to be able to figure out how much and at what point do you put and this is fucking deep, right? But how uh-huh. how much and at what point do you place responsibility on the kid for their job of maintaining the the relationship? Because there's mm-hmm. a point where you go they're a kid, this isn't their job, they're not supposed to know how to handle this, they're not supposed to, and then you have to incrementally introduce the concepts of, well you're a member of this family, your mum has feelings too, you need to act accordingly, you need to do this and think this way a little bit and you start putting it in, because the kid's first reaction is, I'm the kid, I don't have to do any of this shit, it's not my fault, she can't fucking handle da da da, because they're going to go crazy, and be like well, so when do you say, um yeah, you're, you you know, fucking you got to explain it to them and say, I recognize that you are developing and that you have new wants and needs and you got to fucking figure out all this fucking way to express shit to them so that it's not confrontational and then also it's a loaded gun where you're going to hit him in the heart with but your mama loves you more than anyone in the world and you're going to and so if you if you could just be a little bit compassionate to the fact that she's she's um she's going to take a minute to uh, uh, i'm making this shit up like calibrate to the new dynamic of your relationship because she loves you so much so that the kid goes all right i get it she's done so much for me she raised me i'll fucking i'll, t- I'll take this one salt grain of shit you just said and implemented when really it'd be so much easier if I just wasn't a little fuck that day you know what I mean
1: or, or you get to the point where you're like <sighs> your mother carried you for nine yeah, months
0: yeah yeah that's the thing just though that you can't because you otherwise you create that resentment the moment you start barking and you start fucking like you just w- w- do it why because I said so that's the worst thing you can say even though you say it all the time I'm like because i yep. fucking said so because then the I mean you're just creating a little monster there P.S. Well, there's
1: times where yeah, – go, 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 no,
0: go ahead. Go ahead. I'm going to no, I was going to say go. for, for that
1: thing, the whole, with the whole uh, – you know, it's because I said so. I try to make sure I mix it up with the kid because I know my job as a parent is to prepare her for the real world. And I think that there's a lot of parents out there that don't do that accordingly because they want to coddle. They want to baby the child because they don't want the child to feel pain. They don't want the child to be upset. They don't want the child to be confused. And for me, it's like confusion is normal. Confusion is natural. But I try to talk my kid through it. There are times when I say do something and I have an an explanation. Here's why you need to do this. But then there's other times where I just say do it. No explanation whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And she always gets that look like what? And then she'll ask why? Because I said so. Why? Because Because I said so. so. Do it. And then she does. But then what I want to make sure I do every single time after that is if I just said do it because I said so, I pull her aside and I talk to her about that. And I'm like, it was a little confusing, right? Like it it, it confused you that I was just telling you to do something with no explanation. She's like, well, yeah, because, you know, up till that point or, you know, majority of the time it's, well, there's a reason why dad says to do something. And then I try to express to her and I might be doing this too early. I don't know. You know, we're just like. That's the thing, like, you know, the thing that I have really been thrown into the gauntlet here and realizes is you don't know a goddamn thing yeah, when it yeah, comes yeah. to parenting. Yeah. As much as you can be like, oh, like you can look at your friends and be like, huh, yeah, well, they don't know what they're doing. Like if the kids throw in a fit. Dude, you don't have a damn clue until you're actually doing it. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. even I, I might even know less now. But the one thing I want to do is I want to try to explain things to her as much as I can so that she can learn from it. She might not agree with it. I don't care if she agrees with it, but as long as she understands the explanation. So if there is something where I say, just do this because I said so, after the fact at some point, I want to pull her aside and I want to talk to her about that so that she can ask questions and I can answer them or I can make another point as to why she had to do something. And. All the while letting her know, like, because there's going to be times in your life you're not going to get an explanation. And you have to be prepared for that. Mm. You have to be ready to just do it sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. there's going to be times in your job your boss is going to come to you and say, yeah. hey, I need this done. And you can't go, why? Yeah. I see that shit happen all the time with people that I've worked with well, through the years <clears> who throat> have throat> that mentality of, well, if you can't explain to me why you need me to do this, I'm not going to do it. Yeah,
0: I know. Well, that's it's one like,
1: it's... shut up and do it. <laughs>
0: So, okay, so this leads back to one of the interesting things that I was like, I stopped myself yesterday and I'm going to, what time are we at? I'm going to benchmark this in case we edit it and make a whole nother fucking thing out of it. Use it
1: as a tease. Use it as a tease because we got to wrap up this episode. All right,
0: cool. So when I was five, I was trained in the fundamental art of manipulation. I didn't realize, and I don't think my parents realized that that's what they were teaching me. What they were teaching me wasn't, really? yeah, what they were teaching me was an acting technique because my parents were actors, and that's what they knew, and that's how they communicated. And so they they were imparting their wisdom, not realizing that when you break it down, it's basically a, it's it's an understanding of how you operate, and then the first thing that you do with it is you learn how to manipulate people with it to get what you want. It's called mm-hmm. objective based decision making. And how to achieve an objective, because that's what you do, That it's the way of approaching everything in the method of acting. And this is how, it's like, it's like learning a second language, like sometimes uh, you live in a bilingual household, you learn Spanish and English at the same time as you're growing up, you just know both languages. I know English and the method of acting, which is a fucking dense psychological method. But I learned it from the moment. I'm serious, dude. It fucks you up. If you know this shit, you're like, I understand exactly how people operate on the way that they don't understand that they're operating. Makes you a great artist, great musician, great way to be able to tap into emotional connectivity. But when you're five, it's like giving a fucking kid a Superman suit. They 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 don't know what to do with it. They've got these superpowers of how to communicate to people. And you just start doing shit to see what happens. Or well, if I say mm-hmm. this and if I fucking poke that fucking button right there on my teacher- Oh, she does that. Oh, I wonder, well, if I do that to my dad, what does he do? And then, fuck, you start fucking up your whole world. (laughs) Mm Because you start, because you start, and it's the next level of, you know, kids learn how to manipulate people. They actually trained me. Well, when you're 30 and you're acting and you're figuring out how and why people do things and operate in a social dynamic, they taught me that at five. And I was like, oh, I see everything now. I was fucked from the beginning. I was destined for, anyway. So that's what, that's the tease. Um. By the way, we never
1: even got your fifth album.
0: My fifth album was a toss-up. So my fifth album was a toss-up. It was going to be Rage Against the Machine's first self-titled album. However, the album that came Mm -hmm. before that was Down on the Upside, which was... And here's the thing. here's, Here's the funny thing. I came to the game late. So I remember vividly, I remember vividly when I bought Dookie, I was like, mm-hmm. I remember kids talking about Green Day. I've been talking about it for a month or two and I finally got the record and I'm like, I go and buy the Silverchair record. Silverchair sucks. You fucking trying to beat Pearl Jam. Green Day. I was like, cool. Go and get Green Day's Dookie. Come to school. Dude, I just got Green Day's first record. You're right, man. It's dope. It's fucking cool, man. I totally get it. And they're like, dude. And I, I just dug myself a six foot grave. They're like, dude. It's like their third record what the fuck is wrong you're so fucking like they land they laid into me so hard they were like you're trying so hard to be cool you're fucking lame and you're stupid and you're behind and like and i was like i was that was it i was like i'm not sharing my music with anyone then when i eventually met emma this is the next year and we both were on the same page i was like cool i'm gonna stick with you and then we started the band and we were like that's it mm. So it been, so as a result, Down on the Upside was the first album that I got from Soundgarden, not realizing it was their last album for 20 fucking years. And I, then I reverse engineered my way back. But d- down on the upside, I went uh, my uh, same thing with you. Same fucking thing as with you, right? I had my records and my discman at the time. And my dad and I used to get a Greyhound up to uh, like 12 to 14 hours, a drive up north to my grandfather's house. And I'll tell you more mm-hmm. about my grandfather as we go in the podcast, because I've started to learn more about his legacy because he was a jazz musician in the 40s. Very famous one. Went up to visit him. He didn't know me. We'd only seen each other a few times in my life. And I remember him talking to my dad, like, what do I get him for Christmas? It was like, he likes music Buy him. I think he likes this band now. Go get that CD by that band. And he gave him the exact name of the band. It was Soundgarden. So then I had the, so now I've got a new CD. Remember when you get one new CD and you're like, yep. it's not like now. And
1: you listen to it Oh my God. Oh, so right I did. Over. So I put Man, it in the that's disc. Like when you have Spotify and mm-hmm. stuff, you don't have that experience. No
0: way. You're fucking, it's totally passive.
1: Fuck, we sound old. All-
0: that's it's the way it is um so anyway anyway um but so i put that in and then i and then on the whole greyhound home listen if i just fucking looped that i'd listen to that whole record and i remember that i the reason dude and it's coming back to me now the reason that i started to get into did you freeze you frozen did you disappear oh dude oh you're frozen you're fucking your something's up on your computer your screen's frozen fully frozen can you hear me i can hear you
1: Okay, we'll just keep yeah. talking. All right. I'm, I'm still here. I can still hear you, and you're moving just fine. For some reason, it just popped up with an error that said, We could not connect to your selected camera, despite the fact we've been doing this for Dude, almost an hour. This
0: is fucked up. Okay. So there's Let's right, wrap it up. Let's do this. There's a fucking snare roll that's in. I'm going balls deep on the fucking musicality of this shit. What's the burden in my hand? In the mm-hmm. third chorus of Burden in My Hand, on the third phrase of the third chorus. There is a snare field that's just, uh, it's, I think it's 30 second notes. Now, normally when you do a 30 second note, it's, it, it, there's some dynamics to it. It's or a. this one was just, right? It was a fucking machine gun. And I was like, how the fuck did he play that? That is the most powerful thing I've ever fucking heard. And it works perfectly. It's placed perfectly in the song. That was when I started to get into drums. That was the moment when I was like, I need to, I need to learn how to play drums. I need to learn how to do that. I need to learn how to do that because that, that just fucking hit me right there. I would wait for the whole album for that fucking snare roll, and anyone who knows the record knows exactly what I'm talking about. And that was when I was, like, I started getting into drummers, drumming. What is it? Why, why is it? And, and the relationship of rhythm to music and melody and the whole thing. and, and I was fucking thirteen. And and most importantly, and this goes back to the thing I was talking about, the reason that I wanted to learn so much was because I realized that it was emotionally impinging on me. It was changing my emotional state. And at five, I realized the power of being able to change someone's emotional state to to change your world around you. And I was like, oh, I can use music for this shit, too. And that was when it was fucking game on. Cool. That's the story.
1: All right. Well, on that note, we will uh, lead into more of the stuff that Shim had teased on the next episode. If you have anything for us, you can always hit us up on social media. Shim's on Twitter. It is at Shim Moore, Shimmoore, S H uh, I M M O O R E. You can also find him on his Facebook page as well, which is where he broadcasts live the lockdown sessions and things like that. That's, you can um, find me. That's
0: 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time every Thursday and Friday. I just locked that in.
1: At a kid. You can find me over on Instagram. It is at The Real Brandalorian. If you want to check me out over there, you can always drop us a message. If you have any topics, questions, anything that you want discussed on Rockstar 101, but on that note, before anything else craps out and the equipment dies on us, yeah, right? what do you What, do you, what, do you
0: do? what are you doing? I'm, I'm just, I'm doing this because I'm trying to touch your face and make it move. It's like you're, you've had a stroke and you're just, oh. you, you can't see my end. It's fucking weird while you're talking, dude. No, I
1: can, but I can, I can see my camera froze on my end. Okay. Like it's, it's the camera's All not right. the internet. All connected. right. So let's wrap so it up. Let's note, wrap it up. His name is Shim. He's the
0: His star. name is Brandon. He is the DJ.
1: That's his face. Boom.